This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. What up? And we have FBG Kristen. Aloha. Aloha. I love how you do something new each time. (laughs) (laughs) So Kristen, please tell us about our guest today because you've met her before and you said we need to have her on this show. She is now on the show. So talk about Austin. (laughs) Yes. So there was a reason for my aloha and that is because I met Austin in Maui. So she is an artist. And the reason I met her is, full disclosure, she creates art pieces for Maui Gym Sunglasses, which is where my husband works and which is why we were in Maui at the same time at their sales meeting. And and like, she's quite a big deal. And But the first time I met her, we just sat down across the table from her and started talking. And eventually my husband sort of nudged me and let me know who she was. And I immediately got kind of nervous. But she was just, she was so lovely And, you know, so she is in her seventies, which you would never know to meet her and her, but I mean, aside from just looking fit and young and happy and vibrant, she has this energy that is just, it's wonderful. It's really kind of enveloping. So I, I, I think that when I first met her, which was a year and a half ago, I was like, ooh, I should have her on the podcast. And then, it, you know, we kind of got booked out for a long time. And then I saw her again this past December. And I was like, okay, let's please make this happen. Talk to me about your schedule. Because I just think it's really cool. She's not she's not like this lifelong athlete who's just continued it on. She, she battled a lot of the same fitness struggles and body insecurities and things like that. Really, you know, into her, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. And she started running at a later age than I think a lot of people think is when one would start running. So it was super cool to to talk to her about that. And she and her husband, they bike, they do uh, vacations where they go biking around Italy and she works with her trainer all the time. And I mean, she's just, she's fearless. I love it. I, I want to be her when I grow up. Yeah, Kristen's right. She didn't really start working out seriously until her 50s and she joined this program and they were measuring the progress of men you know a group of men and a group of women and she just got like really into it in her 50s and she's doing it 20 years later and she's so inspiring and she's got such a youthful energy about her and she's so curious about the world and I just I really love this interview you guys are gonna love her so much so one of the things I wanted to ask you both what advice would you give your younger self? Who wants to go first? Oh. <laughs> oh. Hi. I can go. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah. Um, there, I feel there is a lot I would want to tell my younger self. But I think in a nutshell, it all pretty much boils down to, you know what? Like, girlfriend, like, you are okay like exactly as you are. Cause I feel like you do get a lot of messages when you're younger that are like, just be you, you know, like it's great to be you and you're, you, you know, you're unique and you're an individual, but that doesn't resonate as much 
with me, that always seems a little bit like, I don't know, like it's true, but it, it almost feels a little bit more hollow yes. than something like, no, like you, as you are, have inherent value and worth and you don't need to do anything else. Like you need to be a nice person, but like you don't need to excel or be perfect or look a certain way or dress a certain way or anything to have value. You have value just as you are. That's pretty much what I would have done. That would have saved me a lot of heartache Mm -hmm. (laughs) and time and dieting. I mean, it gets to the root, I feel like of relationships and dieting and body image and self-worth and value and makeup. And I mean, all those kinds of um, coming of age struggles, which don't entirely go away. It's still kind of a message I have to give myself every once in a while when I'm trying to strive or find myself, you know, comparing myself to something else. It's like, oh no, honey, it's cool. You're good. You're good as you are. What about you, Kristen? Well, same thing in that there are about 20 different things that I would just like to even start off telling myself and then it would delve into everything else I've learned over the last however many years. I think the big thing for me is I wish I had known that I that I was going to find my tribe and that it was going to fit and I wasn't going to have to try so hard, which I think is is somewhat in line with what you were talking about. I think a lot of my my lack of confidence as a teenager, and I think that this probably holds true for a lot of people, is that I didn't see myself not just physically, but also in terms of like my sense of humor or just sort of the way I saw the world. I, I didn't see a lot of that in the media or around me. And, and that's not bad. You know, everybody, everybody does their thing. But it kind of wasn't until I got a bit older and started embracing some of the things that did make me different some of the jokes that I got that other people didn't laugh at. And I just said, you know what, I'm still going to laugh at this because I think it's funny. And eventually I found people who also laughed and I was like, oh, cool. And those, you know, I mean, you guys know me, like laughter is such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really enjoy finding humor in so many things. So I wish that I had realized that, you know, it didn't make me some sort of, you know, untouchable weirdo to think differently and to feel differently about things, the things that make me, the things that I'm so sensitive about, or the things that I think are just indescribably hilarious. Like those are parts, those are some of the things that have created the person who I am today. And I think that person has a, you know, has a pretty damn strong voice. And I, I have good things to say. And that's one of the nice things about the fact that, you know, we now live in the the world of the internet is that it's, in some ways easier to find those people and connect with them. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, going in a circle here, I have no idea what would have happened if there had been, you know, social media and things like that when I was younger, because I think I could have been a total disaster. That's Um, yeah. That totally something I, I think may have just been magnified. I'm not sure, but I also may have found my people and been like, Oh no, I'm, you know, that we're weirdos together and it's okay that we're not weirdos in person together. So I have no idea, but basically I just wish that I had been comfortable with the things that made me seem a little weird because yeah. those are the things that I really like about myself now. Mm-hmm. What about you, Margo? I wish I, somebody had taught me the concept of boundaries 
when I was mm. in my 20s. That was a big one that as a young adult learning how to establish boundaries around myself in just personal relationships and friendships, in work relationships, uh, dating. It's just, I, I, they got, they all got kind of mixed up for me. I wasn't kind of raised to be like, no, this, you're allowed to, you know, you're, when you're raised as a nice Irish Catholic girl on the East Coast, you're like, you always have to smile and you have to be pleasant and yeah. you can never seem conceited or, you know, you can't draw attention to yourself. Like there's like, all these dumb rules and it's really hard to kind of find your way, especially moving to New York where everybody's like loud and stuff. So <laughs> I, I wish I had had a better concept of boundaries and, you know, establish them and also respected them in other people. I think like my twenties are really hard learning how to do that. So I was like, we were, we were going to talk about like what ages feel like. I was thrilled to turn 30, by the way, I was so glad <sighs> to le- yeah. leave all that crap behind. So that's for me personally. And it's something I'm still working on, on boundaries and stuff. But I think like that's been a really big adult thing for me. That is a big one. It's hard. Yeah. Cause it is difficult. Like if you're not, if you don't, it's difficult. It can be difficult to set boundaries. That's that Terry Cole, that Terry Carroll episode yep. was so great on setting boundaries. Like that is one to go back to again and again. Yeah. I found that when I turned 30, I was very much, um, I think I kind of like pumped it up like, okay, it's a new decade. Like I'm really excited for it. You know, cause I had heard a lot of other people be upset about turning 30. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's going to be great. It's a new decade and everything. But I actually felt kind of weird when I t- turned 30 and I've written a little bit about this on fit bottom Zen. I was like, what does it mean to be an adult? I think that like when I turned 30, I thought that then like somehow like you're far enough away from college. Now you kind of should be a grown up, And I feel more like a grown up now that I'm 37, but there's still days I don't feel like a grown up. So when I turned 30, I was like, I don't feel like a grown up. This is weird. Why am I 30? <laughs> I mean, I guess I have responsibilities like an adult, but no. So I, I kind of thought that that wasn't, that wasn't real. That wasn't true. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to feel like an adult? What am I going to feel like I have this shit figured out? <laughs> it turns out maybe you don't. <laughs> I, I think maybe you don't like for some people, I think like I kind of have a youngish kind of energy and outlook, which works to my benefit and to my detriment at times. Yeah. You know, well, and it sounds like, I mean, it's, it sounds like from this interview too, you know, if she's 70 and you never know it, like why, why would a seven-year-old have to sound a certain way? Right. You know, why can't Ooh. a seven-year-old be full of energy and treat life with, you know, the curiosity of like a, a kid? I mean, that's kind of been one of the coolest things about having my daughter is to see, you know, life through. And it's like any kid, see their life through their eyes and be like, oh, my gosh, there is so much to marvel at. It's, it's cool to live in that, in that youthful space and just, yeah. Maybe yeah. I need to go back to myself at 30 and also have a conversation to be like, you're never going to feel like an adult. That's awesome. Maybe I need to go back and have my conversation with that with myself now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's really interesting to see, you know, also like what society has, has looked at different ages as and how that's changed, you know, cause like you look at the golden girls, which I always right. look at the golden girls and, you know, I mean, if they reshot that now with women being those ages, you know, we'd have like Sandra freaking Bullock, you know, yeah. in her fifties, like this is, that is different than how women of really any age were seen when we were young and when we were impressionable and sort of getting an idea of what 30 looked like, of what 40 looked like. You know, when I was growing up, I totally thought like, okay, by 30, you get the mom haircut. Um, and that's that. <laughs> right. Um, right. And mom and, jeans. 
<laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it changes with who you're surrounded with and stuff, I'm sure. But I have, you know, I have friends and, and training partners and all kinds of people who are aged, you know, from lower, well, I guess probably like low 30s now, maybe a couple of in their 20s, but up to in their 60s who are, you know, incredible. And, and I love spending time with them. And it's so interesting to, to get those different perspectives on life from people of different ages. But it's also really nice to be like, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to be a certain thing at any certain age. I certainly didn't think I was going to be who I currently am at 37. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot, I'm 38. Damn it. I had a moment where I had to like stop. I'm like, how old am I? Like, I was like, am I 36 or am I 37? I literally just had that moment. So thank you. Yeah. Well, Jen, I, I always think of us as being the same age. and it's not Me too. Because um, so. we both have birthdays in January. So it's. And yeah. you're both only children. Yeah. You have a lot in common. And we both are the same Meyer Briggs. We are. Oh, that's right. And we're the random like unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I like to be special. That was a different test. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. That's true. <laughs> It's just shining uh, yeah. through right now. Yeah, but it, uh, bottom line is I just think it's really cool because I, when I was younger, I looked at, you know, like 40 and just thought, well, I hope that I get everything done that I want to do by then. And now I'm just like, hell yeah, bring it. Like, I can't wait. I'm planning a big bash. Um, I I fully intend to be like two years more awesome than I am now. I'm There's nothing about 40 that, that scares me or makes me think I'm going to slow down. And frankly, I don't. I feel the same way about 50, although I do realize I may need a, a new knee by then, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. I'll just be awesome and bionic, right? It's so true. And if you think about, I mean, with a lot of like different, yeah, like long distance running and stuff like that and triathlons, uh-huh. like late thirties, like you're like women are like, it's like all this base of training you've been doing, like it, yeah. it pays off. I mean, oh. I just PR'd a race by like three minutes the other day. And I was like, what is happening? Woo-hoo! Really? I did. It was awesome. I did the trolley run. The fastest, it was four miles. It's mostly downhill. It's like the fastest race you can ever do. That's four miles. But yeah, to my times before, I think I did it in like 40, 30 one year. And I was really happy about that. One time I ran it with Aaron, one of our, um, the other co-founder and she damn near killed me and we ran it in like 39 something but I like I thought, I thought I was gonna die like I was like Aaron you run too fast I did it in like 37 like 06 or something this year That's and amazing. I've been running for forever I know so it's like you get old like things happen and if you think about like exercises and muscle memory for things like Olympic lifting and everything like sometimes you know that repetition of getting your form down and doing it right like that that has dividends that begin to pay off when you're older so it's really cool to know that you can still you know make progress and see change and there's kind of still no limit for what you can do because really we're kind of like there's more older people now working out, which mm-hmm. is amazing to see. And it's like, I, you know, I see women at the gym that are in their, you know, fifties and they're not slowing down. No. It's so I, inspiring. Yeah. I'm literally right now I'm pulling up. I did a, an open water race yesterday and I'm looking at the results because I wanted to make sure that I'm not a big lying liar. And so there were, there were one or two women younger than me who came in ahead of me. And then there were three or four in the 50 to 60 range who came in ahead of me. Wow. Um, 
and who like with really good times. Yeah. So this, yeah, like we've got one at 60 to 64 who came in um, almost two minutes ahead of me, which is wow. killer. Like, you know, you, wow. <laughs> you just get to, yeah, don't, don't let an age, don't let a number, mm-hmm. don't let any number define who you are or what you want to do or what you want to accomplish. Or think you can't start something new or try something different. I know. I mean, yeah. I'm older than you guys. I'm in my 40s. Let me tell you, first of all, 40 is a great birthday. And celebrate the living shit out of it because it is an accomplishment. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it was in my 40s, by the way, that I started podcasting, you know? And yeah. Who's going to tell me I can't do that? Who's going to tell me that, oh, that's for the younger youngsters? Like, hell no. And that's what I'm doing now. And I, I love, I love being me. I love being in my forties and I love, I love you guys. And I love the show and I love talking to Austin. This is all like a big love fest for me. Oh, uh, same so big virtual hug, <laughs> virtual hug. All right. <laughs> so let's get right into it today. Our guest today is Austin Wood Comero and she's fantastic. And you guys are just going to love her. Here we go. Osteen Wood Comoro grew up in post-war Europe where her father directed the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, which won the Nobel Peace Prize under his leadership. Having lived abroad for many years, she speaks five languages fluently. At a crucial point in her artistic development, she discovered that certain transparent materials produce colors when they are illuminated with polarized light and are viewed through polarizing filters. Most of her work since then has been devoted to controlling this phenomenon and creating an entirely new artistic medium. She is also an accomplished painter. We are so lucky to have her on the show today. Welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast, Osteen. Hello, I'm happy to be here. We are thrilled to have you on the show today. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have FBG Kristen. Hey guys. So I'm going to ask you the first question. You grew up in post-World War II Europe, which I find fascinating. Can you tell our audience what your favorite earliest memories were of that time and how it has inspired your art? Oh, okay. Um, my family moved to Germany in 1950, and I was just starting second grade. And they put me right into a second grade class. It wasn't even the beginning of... Uh, of the school year. It was, uh, you know, everybody else knew each other. Everybody else spoke German. I had not a clue about German, but they were, the first class I remember, they were doing cross-stitching. This was something that in the German school system, they felt was really important for second graders to uh, develop their eye-hand coordination. So boys and girls both were working away at these little embroidery hoops and I thought it was wonderful. <laughs> and of course, I don't know if that informed my art, but I certainly have always loved doing things with my hands. Oh, that's fascinating. So Austin, one of the first things you shared with me when I, I've had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of times, and I, I, and I don't know how it came up, but you shared your age with me. And I was shocked because you are very vibrant and full of energy. So I would have guessed you were solidly 15 to 20 years younger than you are. And uh, you shared with us, you're welcome. (laughs) And you shared with us earlier that you are turning 76 this year. And you proudly say that you still don't feel like you've fully grown up. What's your secret? What should we all be doing? (laughs) And I don't mean that in terms of like, necessarily like beauty secrets. I mean, you just, you, you seem 
just so energetic and vibrant. I want to be like you. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. Well, you know, I think part of it is just keeping really interested in learning new things. I mean, that's why I've, I've always felt like, well, when am I going to actually grow up? I, I don't know about this thing or I don't know about that thing. And and how can I be a grown up if I don't you know, know all these things? So I'm always um, interested in learning new things. And the other part of it, I think, is, is just um, keeping very active. I think, oh, well, my trainer keeps saying, uh, use it or lose it, which, <laughs> so that's a very good motivation to keep doing. And so the last, oh, at least the last little over 20 years, I've been very consistent about working out, uh, running, biking, whatever it is, and, and also uh, eating fairly healthily. My husband's been a vegetarian for at least 30 years. And although I don't call myself a vegetarian because if somebody serves me some delicious meat, I'll eat it. (laughs) But I don't really cook meat at home. We have fish uh, frequently. So I kind of attribute it to being interested in the world, keeping active and eating right. It's pretty simple. It seems like it. But so with those workouts that you're mentioning that you've been doing in the past, um, you know, 20 years, I just want to do the math for people. Like that means that that's, you know, in your fifties and right. and on. Is there anything that's off limits for you? I haven't found it yet. <laughs> Although I, I guess I'm, I'm not going to start rock climbing anytime soon, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to say that, that uh, before about 20 years ago, I had a very bumpy path when it came to fitness. I would, I would get really disgusted with myself. I'd gain weight and I'd go, oh, geez, you know, I've got to do something. And I'd join a gym and, and then I'd, you know, it never feels bad the first time you're doing all these exercises. And then the next day I'd be so debilitated and sore that I'd soon quit the gym. So that was a cyclical thing for probably from my mid to late 30s into my 50s. And then when we moved back here from California to Las Vegas in 90, in 1996, I was lucky enough to start a program at the university that was run by a professor, Larry Golding, who was doing a study of exercise and aging. And he had a men's group and a women's group. And the women's group met every day at 11 a.m. And we worked out for an hour. Or actually, in the beginning, it was shorter. And he had these series of very mild, progressive exercises. In the beginning, you felt like, well, how can this be helped doing anything? (laughs) It just seems so simple. And we'd conclude every uh, exercise session with a running around the gym. At first we would run the short sides and walk the long sides and run the short sides, et cetera. Until by the end of the year, we were all running over a mile. And I thought, gosh, if I could run a mile, that's pretty cool. So I started, I I was no longer able to keep going to this class. So I I just started running uh, every day, almost every day. And it, it was hard to stay motivated because, you know, some days you just don't feel about feel like it. So I kind of made it an art project. Every day I would go out for a run, I would pick up a smooth stone that I found somewhere. And when I came back, I would write the date on it and how far I'd run. 
and I would put it in a big pickle jar. And after a while, I had these jars filled with these stones with dates on them. And it, it just felt so motivating that it kept me going. That's incredible. I, I love that that vision that you're giving us right now, the visual you're giving us about this this mason jar. So um, this pickle jar, excuse me. So yeah. you and I were emailing back and forth, and you were sending me some photos of the workouts you do now, which includes TRX, mind you, which looks right. badass. So people think, it, what can you tell people about working out hard when you're over 50? Can you do it? Absolutely can. I, I started working with my trainer, Ciro, who is it is in one of the pictures I sent you. He's amazing. I started working out with him in 2004. So it's been, what, 14 years now. And he is a genius, but I'm sure there are other trainers that are equally good. I think it's so important to work with a trainer, especially when you're just starting uh, an exercise program and maybe you're a little older. So he never let me do too much so that I would get sore. But his motto is take it slow, but be consistent and persistent. So you can't just jump right into working hard. But I mean, I have over the years now, I do TRX, I do all kinds. I mean, he thinks up all kinds of things. <laughs> you know, I'm always doing. But uh, what, what he never lets me forget is that I need to stretch, I need to foam roll. Especially as you get older, I think your muscles do tend to tighten up. And I think a lot of people who think they can't run anymore because their knees hurt, well, my knees hurt every once in a while. And then he'll explain to me, well, you know why they're hurting? It's because your muscle, you've been sitting a lot, your, your quads are tightening up and your calves are tightening up and they're all pulling on your, on your knees and causing tightness in your knees. It's not really the knees that are the problem. It's the muscles surrounding the knees that are keeping, um, making them hurt. So uh, he's been wonderful. He's my guru. <laughs> it's really important. I think, I mean, like you said, especially as you age or as you're just getting into things to find a trainer who, who knows what they're doing and who's willing to like lead you through that in a way that mm-hmm. works for, for what, where you are and for your goals. So I, I, I love that you've been working with the same person for so long. And it makes me curious, does that lead you to have interest in trying out? I know there are all these different boutique workouts popping up all over. There's, you know, Orange Theory and Bar and different, you know, I know we've got like the tilt cycle here where it, you know, you get on a spin bike, but it tilts to the sides. Do you, which is honestly really fun. Um, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But do you go into any of those or do you kind of stick to the routines that, that Ciro works up for you? I'm pretty, uh, I I haven't heard of any of those things that you mentioned. So maybe Las Vegas is a little behind the times here. I don't know, but uh, no, I pretty much stick to what, what, what he recommends and kind of depend on him to keep me <laughs> going yeah. down the right path. So I, I focused on my arms for the last, you know, last year because I go, I, it's so hot here. I, I definitely want to be sleeveless. You know, I don't want to just have to wear long sleeves or, you know, whatever. So he, he takes whatever I say and say, okay, we're going to work on those arms and, and you know, it helps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Works. Let me ask you a follow-up to that, because I, I really loved your comments on kind of 
how you got into fitness and what it's meant to you. But of course, as, as women and just as humans on this planet, there's a certain amount of body image that is just a factor in life. Can you talk a little bit about that and how, how your workouts either help that or if they ever feel like they get in the way and, and whether that's changed with age? Oh, gosh, I think so. I've become much more accepting of my body. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough now in the last maybe 20 years, I I really haven't had a serious weight problem. I mean, every once in a while, I'll gain a little weight, but it's not, not, it's not how it looks that, that bothers me. It's how I feel. So um, I think yes. I've learned to to pay attention to how I feel rather than what I see in the mirror. I mean, that's one of the great advantages of getting older. I think you start to realize what's really important. And it certainly isn't what advertising and, you know, tells us our bodies ought to look like. I mean, that's ridiculous. So I luckily don't don't really pay attention to that anymore. That's and, great. <laughs> in fact, I, I, I don't know if you've through the years, I, I've developed this style of art in my drawings, not necessarily in the in the um, work that I do with polarized light, but of these figures that have very small heads and kind of larger, majestic bodies. Because even even when I was younger, I realized that I thought we paid way too much attention to our our minds, and but we didn't realize that our bodies were important. And uh, so I would put more emphasis on on the the body being sort of majestic and important and the head being, you know, kind of less, less important. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that. And I want to, and sorry, Margo, I'm totally just like, go for it, jumping in on your turn. What really drew me to you've been doing this for a long time, but you mm-hmm. were doing this um, fan art drawing challenge. Yeah. And you did a Wonder Woman inspired sketch. And you know, I really, really love Wonder Woman. Uh-huh. So and you provided your description, which is along the lines of what you um, what you just said. So I tried to render Wonder Woman as one of my small-headed figures with monumental body. I've developed that figure style over the years because I think we all put too, way too much emphasis on our intellect, neglecting our gut feelings and sheer physicality of our being. Mm. And you did that again with Cinderella, saying that you like <laughs> to de-emphasize the head and facial features in order to focus more on the physical body and body language. I also like to counter the stereotypical sexy body shape that's so unrealistic. Which, I mean, just, whoa. And I think, I, I believe that you've said that we can run one of those images in the show notes. Um, so Absolutely. people can see that, sure. which sure. would be really cool. So I'm curious. I mean, you said that you sort of noticed that as somebody, as a, you know, when you were initially starting out in your art, was there ever an aha moment for you that led you to be like, oh, this is, this is a style that I, that reflects everything that I want to say, or did it really just grow and and become what it is. Kind of grew and became what it is, um, because along with that idea that we put too much emphasis on our intellect and not enough on our body and our relationship to the earth and to our planet, my art often was more focused on the natural world, flowers, plants, animals, birds, And whenever a human being appeared in my artwork, it would be sort of abstracted like these figures that 
had the smaller heads and the larger bodies, and they wouldn't have much detail in them at all. It was, it was sort of like I wanted to express the idea that we're sort of latecomers here on this planet, and we're still not fully integrated the way we should be into the the way nature works. So I guess it just kind of grew slowly with those ideas. So I wanted to go back to the the cycling. You were talking about cycling before because I'm a cyclist. And you have traveled all over the world by bike. Uh, What are your top recommendations for a person like me that a place I should visit via two wheels? Ah, well, first of all, I would recommend... (laughs) I don't know if I can do this shameless commercial. I have nothing to gain by it, but Vermont Bike Vermont Bike Tours, vbt.com, does awesome groups that you can sign up with. Excuse me. Uh, we've been on four with them to Italy, and uh, they they take care of everything, so you really don't have to to worry about you know you they provide the bikes, they provide the helmets, the water bottles, you know everything and have wonderful tours. Anyway, they, they are a wonderful group, and um, I couldn't speak more highly of them. And if you want to go on a tour, and the people you meet on those tours are so wonderful, too. Everybody is very active and uh, interesting. And, and you see a country so much more intimately when you're on two wheels, you know? I agree. Yeah. So, you know, we're just, my husband and I just aren't the type that want to get on a bus and, you know, have somebody talking at us and you know, you feel so removed. So anytime we travel, we try to do something that's active, like a, like a bike tour. So is Italy, has that been your favorite place? That's my favorite. Yeah. In fact, I, you said all over the world, that's not exactly true. (laughs) It's uh, so far, it's been mostly Italy because the first one was so marvelous. It was on the coast of Tuscany and oh my gosh, the food is so fabulous. And you bike all day, so you come home and you feel at total liberty to eat whatever you want. You don't feel like you're going <laughs> to gain weight or anything. It's just fabulous. So that was so wonderful that we we just couldn't imagine that it would be better anywhere else. So we just looked at every tour that they had in Italy. <laughs> I, I don't know which one we're going to go on this year, but we, we try to do you know one every couple of years. I hear Ireland's amazing. Yeah, that should be good, too. I, um, Yeah, maybe that's on the docket. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, as an artist, can you offer some insight into your creative process? Is it something that you cultivate in a specific way daily, or is it really just kind of there? Well, um, I have to say that when I was younger, I, I was much more motivated in maybe a not a very good way, but it did kind of keep me focused on improving my skills. You know, I think when you're younger, you're so anxious to to prove yourself and to become the best at whatever you've selected to do that. I mean, I rarely went in anywhere without my sketchbook and I constantly felt like I had to, you know, create something every day or my day was wasted. And I mean, it produced a lot of good work, I think. But as I got older, I realized that I I need to just sort of experience things and not always feel like I have to be the observer, you know, thinking about it and drawing it or making art out of it. I mean, sometimes just taking it in and maybe later it'll come out as as artwork. So I, I feel a lot more relaxed about what I do now. And if, you know, a day goes by that I'm not creating something, you know, it doesn't bother me like it did when when I was 
was younger. I mean, actually, I've created a, a business in a way with my art where I uh, create artwork for Maui Jim sunglasses. And I have four or five people working with me on that. So to, a, to an extent now, my creativity is expressed in helping these other people help me and, and have, have jobs that are satisfying to them and is you know, creating something that is valuable to the world. I was looking at your your bio, and you you have said before that your art, much like a movie, is watched rather than looked at. Can you talk a little bit about that? What you mean by that? Yeah, um, I think uh, not not the work that I've done for Maui Jim, but some of my other artwork is created with polarizing filter and clear cellulose that. When you rotate one of the filters, it causes all the colors to change. And I can create images that actually change color and form as it's sitting there on the wall. So it's not a video. It's just plain a mechanical uh, you know, change that happens. But as you, slowly, you watch it, it's slowly changing. And so that's more like you have to pay attention to it for several minutes before you realize what's going on. Whereas, you know, most artwork in a museum, you can walk by it and in two seconds, you've seen this, you've seen this, you've seen that. I mean, I think they've done studies where the average amount of time that people look at a piece of art in a museum or a gallery is like three seconds or something crazy like that. But you would never see what's going on in my work if you only gave it a three second attention span. You have to look at it for at least 15 to 30 seconds, which is a surprisingly long time. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, how long does it take you to create a piece from really like very initial start to end? Well, it kind of depends on the piece, but sometimes the just the thinking about it <laughs> ahead of time is, is, a, is a long process. And then maybe, you know, initial sketches and then I usually do a very complete drawing, and I, I think all those stages probably take as much time, if not more, than the actual cutting out of all the little pieces that have to be cut out and placed to create the image itself. So it's hard to say. I mean, I tend to work rather slowly, where I now have my daughter helping me, and she has been working with me now for over 30 years, I think. and since the design has been created by me, she doesn't have quite as much thinking to do when she executes them for me. And uh, she can, she's really fast. (laughs) That's awesome. Teamwork. Uh Uh-huh. It is. We work together really well, even though she's in New York, but she's moving out here in uh, November. They bought a house right near us and, and I'm bringing her into the whole family business. (laughs) Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it really is. I'm excited about it. Are there any other art forms that you want to try out that, that, that excite you, that, that interest you, or any new artists that interest you right now? Oh, art forms? Yes. I, 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 love, <laughs> I love art supplies. I love any kind of art form. And I, one of the benefits, I think, of my daughter moving out here and, and taking over a lot of the work that I do for Maui Jim is it will free me up for a little more experimentation and things that I haven't tried before. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. 
I, I mean, I've just discovered that iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil is amazing. So <laughs> that's that's really kind of high tech, but that I can take anywhere. It's so wonderful. You can, you know, you don't have to take a whole trunk full of art supplies. You've got this thing that, you know, so easy to, to carry around. I love it. <laughs> what advice would you offer someone who is, let's say, not an artist and really without much artistic ability, but with interest in playing with colors or paints or things like that, do you do you have any advice for, you know, what to do, how to start, what, you know, I'm not even I, sure what I'm asking. And yeah, I would like to no. say I'm asking for a friend, but this is totally for me. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I have a little watercolor set and I have so much fun with it. So I would love to, to I don't know. Go for it. I mean, just play. I think the most important thing is to experiment with it, to see what the medium wants to do. I mean, look at what other people are doing in watercolor. Find uh, some artists whose work you you admire and who you sort of aspire to to look like. And but don't try to imitate them right away. Just try to see what the watercolor itself will do. I mean, you you want to actually develop your own style, so you're never going to look like anybody else's. In fact, oh, there was somebody I can't remember who said this, but said. If it looks like art, then it's not your art or something like that. You you want something that, that looks like you, not like something you've seen before. But I guess that may not be a very satisfying answer, actually. And, you know, there's lots of tutorials online now. You can just go to YouTube and look up, you know, beginning watercolor, and, and you can find any number of uh, people willing to sort of demonstrate ways to to do it and you can just find one that that appeals to you and and uh imitate or you know follow along and uh it's a great way to learn things boy i don't know we never had that when i was young (laughs) no whole different world oh absolutely yeah so with your daughter moving out there and taking more of your over the maui gym business or just a little bit more Mm -hmm. of that do you have travel plans do you have any dream destinations you'd like to check out now that you have a little bit more free time yeah not not quite sure. We, we're sort of playing it by ear. We've had some ideas of maybe getting a, some sort of a travel trailer and, and, you know, going for like a month in the summer somewhere that's cool because it's really hot here in the summer. I would love to get away from the heat and just, uh, you know, explore someplace. We've uh, spent quite a bit of time in Santa Fe. I love that city. So, you know, I'd love to be able to spend a little more time there and and uh, places like Jackson Hole and just beautiful landscape areas of the country. I suppose I would take some more bike trips too. That That is always uh, something I want to do. All right. Well, we have one question that we ask everyone at the end of our show. And if huh? you are ready, I would love to ask this of you. Okay. And that is, what is the last song you listened to before you joined us for this interview? Oh, gosh. You know what? It's a that's tough one, be, I know. That's going to be a very hard one to answer because unlike my my daughters and grandkids who are into music like crazy, I am more of a silence person. Oh. <laughs> and I, I like working in silence, although we do play music in the studio, and I'm trying to think what, <laughs> what's been played lately. My office is out uh, a little bit separate from the main studio area where my assistants work. 
and I keep my office pretty much quiet. I don't, uh, I don't listen to music. So I feel a little guilty about that. Somehow no, I feel like guilty. it's a, an art form that I, that I have neglected, but I feel like I need to think my own thoughts when I'm working. I think that that's a fair and a actually probably a more well thought out answer than a lot of the a lot of the songs so yeah that's I think that's great thank you so much for being on the show today you you were wonderful well it was much easier than I thought it would be so thank you very much you guys are wonderful you you made it very comfortable for me thank you Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.